Hello, I'm here with Daniela Greenwood. And I'm here with Murray Boise Barlin. How are you, Murray? I'm very well, and uh, I'm with someone that I know deeply cares about stuff, and that's you. And um, I'm with someone who deeply cares. Who cares? We, we do. Care. <laughs> oh, we gotta get we gotta get match right. Hey, listen, Michael Rosato Bennett, was it? Is that I yep. got that right? Let's just call him Michael. Michael Filmmaker, now, documentary maker. Interviewed by Ash about his film, his amazing film, Alive Inside. I, I'm not sure if you've had the chance to catch that. Yes, and I think everyone, especially in the aged care space, has seen that scene with Henry in the chair, um, totally not engaging with the world, and then the headphones go on and it all changes. He kind of, his eyes light up and he, he, um, he starts... Um, really responding to the music. That's the person who Ash interviewed. Uh, it was a wonderful interview. How did you feel about it? I, I've i loved this movie um, ever since I saw it. And I, I remember seeing, I, I too saw the clip Henry first, like that's what I, I, I first saw. But having seen the movie and seen all the different scenarios and different applications of music, I, I realized it really made me realize the power of music and what it can do. Um, but it also um, presents, it can present a problem in some ways in that what I want to say is, is that it's not a magic pill, this yeah. this thing. And and I think that when uh, a, I was involved with a company that did licensed music in memory as a program, mm -hmm. and one of the things is that it's not, Dan Cohen, who's the social worker that, that created the concept, talked about it's not a set and forget. And what I love about the Henry clip, and what I loved about what Michael, because Michael spoke so amazingly, beautifully and, and conceptually, I was really surprised where where it went and, and, and where he and Ash, uh, where they took it, was that when Henry, the headphones off, when the music is taken off, that's the moment of connection with another human. And Henry does, the, yeah, I've got beautiful music. And he does that big beat talk and he speaks... <laughs> almost in tongues, you know, yeah. um, before he sings the Cab Calloway song. And, and one of the things that I found in my work is, is that it's, it's when the music, when it's used as a prompt, you know, and, and, and that's the point where you can actually connect with someone. And I think, you know, one of the things that a program like this can uh, fall into the trap of is that people sort of think, great, put the headphones on, there you go, you set so it and forget. Right. And that's where we need to really connect. And I think that's what the film does really show and if we reflect on what Hayley was talking about too recently about music therapy yeah yeah I thought that came to my mind too especially mm. about music always good or you know all old people love music I I was I don't know if surprised is the word but I was definitely really really impressed actually that he um he called out how his own work and and that space had been just snapped up by the aged care industry, they loved it because I think he said, what were the words? Because it looked like a solution and a cheap and easy one at that. Yeah. You know, here we go, let's put headphones on someone. But um, I think I think the fact that he was aware of how that has been used within an industry, within an industry, and that to me really just um, 
it really aligns with what we've been talking about around from our very first conversation with Mike Baird and talking about oh, you can't have it both ways. But in, in reality, if you look at even the stated purposes and the foundations of, um, say, residential aged care, it's got two purposes and those purposes conflict. Mm. One is around financial efficiencies and, and the mm. kind of how they frame the threat of an aging population. And the other one is, you know, to, um, to provide humane care and support as, as we grow older. So whatever we introduce into that space sort of, you know, irretrievably becomes enmeshed in both of those purposes. Yeah, and we see wow. that even in research, you know, like really innovative programs or even use of robotics and that they always feel kind of self-consciously that they have to say that this might contribute to information about um, efficiencies and mostly that staffing efficiencies. Mm. You know, this may reduce staff time. So everyone feels a bit self-conscious about meeting both of those kind of almost unspoken um, objectives and I think managers and executives in aged care uh, are really um, deeply conflicted about this so much so that the purpose of um, creating these humane spaces for all of us as we grow older and the constant pressure around financial efficiencies that that they don't even know what purpose they're drawing from sometimes because wow. both of yeah. those are in conflict so it's really I I, that's that's what I was really um, I was really I thought it was really great that he recognised that that, that uh, conflict. Yeah, and because he talked about the experience of the big-hearted people, I don't know if he referred to them. I as loved that. You know, like these people that do care for complete strangers, as Bill Thomas says, who are not their relatives, but they're people that they are they take into their arms and and care for them, and and the, you know the pressures that they're under. Um, I like that he yeah. talked about about that and the conflict for them, you know, being on the floor with time-aligned tasks and needing yeah. to meet that and at the same time needing to look people in the eyes and speak to them and connect with them. And it's just – I thought it was beautiful the way he spoke about What was it I do too? I was relieved he did after mm. he kind of rightfully highlighted – just the, the issues with institutionalization and then highlighted that there are some deeply soulful people in the space. But it reminded me of something that you said that we spoke about and you said something about a carer. Oh, it was an amazing, and I think that oh, really Oh, are you talking about the carer that couldn't look somebody in the eye? When yeah, she went, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that really, that, that did come up for me again, yeah. Where, where just for those that hadn't heard that, but mm -hmm. a, care, a care member that I spoke to once that is a beautiful person, couldn't was afraid to make eye contact with the elder as she came into the room because she knew that then she'd connect and she might struggle to get away and out of the room to complete her next task. And she just was so distraught because yeah. she felt conflicted is the word that you, we, we're talking about. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of cleaners too, Maureen. Yeah, right. Um, when they clean personal rooms because cleaners, in all my surveys and experience, and residents I've spoken to, there's a kind of, I think, uh, they, it's a very special relationship they have with cleaners mm -hmm. and it took me ages to work at that you know they're one of the few people in the place who aren't trying to take their clothes off or haven't seen them do something really deeply personal like go to the toilet which mm. becomes normalized but it's still it's a different relationship you have with someone that showers you and takes you to the toilet than a cleaner who comes in and just has a chat and I, I think that's one of the reasons there's deep connection 
with um, environmental and cleaning staff and uh, um, and handy people who come and fix things, you know. Mm. But um, though I had those cleaners have become traumatized um, in the last few years, as you know, they, minutes are cut off the time they're allowed to spend in each room. Yeah, because they often um, residents will tell them things that just in casual conversation they don't share with anyone else, you know. And um, to have to go in there and go, you know, you've got four and a half minutes to do the floor and to clean the top because it's now sort of it, mm. everything's been so scaled back to the minuscule of a second that they've been allotted to do each room. Those things really have an impact on people, how people feel about their job, you know, and their work. And if we think about, you know, someone living in that room, um, they're also picking up on all those feelings, yes, you know, as yes. well. It's feeding feeding very deeply. And, and and it's interesting that Michael's interview has sent us off because it was so broad and it got me thinking yeah. about so many things, you know. And, and and what I loved was I expected just to hear about the music and the memory side of it. Yeah, but me too. He spoke yeah. so broadly about the universe. And one thing that just on that kind of thing that we were talking about coming back to someone living, he said, he saw people who he said had they reduced their expectations of what they need, oh, accepting yeah. that they can can't get what they need. And, you know, there is no sense of growth. There is no sense of growth or thriving, as he said, in an environment like that. If we allow that to be the product that we put on the table to care for our elders at the end of the day. And the line he said was, "They die with humility." Yeah. That That's was right. an ab. That was a really gut wrenching um, observation in terms of people just with low expectations about who and what they are, because now they've sort of just been defined as this medical problem, this deficit that needs to be helped, with nothing to contribute, just to be looked after, and with just a more general view on what society, what aged care is, and what it does, you know. That's what it does. It looks after people who are in this deficit, who um, need to be looked after, and people should be happy for what they get. Mm. And I know there's this feeling that when baby boomers age, um, things will be things will begin to be different. But you'd be surprised how the experience of being physically and or um, cognitively. Uh, more vulnerable than others around you and being in that state of um, panic and, and people just shoving you from around from place to place and being shuffled into an aged care home, how that can really, um, and you look around you at what your expected behaviour is and everyone's talking to your family and not you, you would be really surprised how that learned helplessness and that learned internalised ageism and just acceptance that this is the best I can get, how quickly that um, is internalised and becomes the norm of what people... Oh, excuse me, oh, love, sorry, sorry, can I um, have a... Yeah. You know, that, that happens because of the context of, um, of this institution. I, I, you know what? I'm wondering, because I, I agree with what you say, but I'm wondering about the transition to the baby boomer because I reckon I reckon that the generation that is currently or the generations that are currently living in aged care are much more accepting and polite 
about their plight. I reckon baby boomers are not going to put up with it. I reckon baby boomers are going to shake this industry up because I don't think they're going to take it. I'm wondering. Now, I hope I'm I hope I'm right. Um, I think that we should all agree to make a noise when we get in there. Mm, which will be called um, a challenging behaviour. Behaviour. Yeah. We don't and use that term anymore, do we? Challenging behaviour. <laughs> then you'll be given, it doesn't matter what we call it. So you can call it responsive behaviour yeah, right. or distress. Behaviours of distress, reactive behaviours. It means the same thing. You're still drugged, aren't you? And and the yeah. use of psychotropics hasn't gone down, uh, has not gone down. In fact, it's increased. Restrictive practices have increased in Australia. Is that right? Are you serious? Since the Royal Oh, yeah, since all no, of the spotlight surely not. on it. Absolutely, yeah. So I um Wow. My gut feeling is what you're saying is about this um, this sense of uh, entitlement is quickly whipped out of people when they're put in a context where everybody's mm. treating them like that, where there's no other scope, to where people's opinion of what you are becomes what you are. I've never seen that happen so quickly in human beings mm. as it does when they enter aged care. Yeah, I hope I'm right. I hope that we do make a noise. Maybe we need to continue this podcast when we're much, much older and greyer and keep complaining. <laughs> can, you, can you join? Oh, I know. I, we could do a longitudinal study on... Um... Oh, I'm here with Daniela. <laughs> and I'm, I'm here with Mother. Hey, you know, you talked about connection. Mm-hmm. Um, can I tell you a little story about my experience with music and memory type program? I would love to hear it. Um, so before I knew about music and memory, I I was visiting this woman called Carolyn who who we didn't know much about had, from, had been awarded the states and there wasn't much known about her. Mm. She was legally blind, so she sat. So she had her vision, you know, was really quite quite poor, and she was described to me as obsessive compulsive. And and this was reflected by her sitting at a table, put her hands on the table, move the tissue box to the left, put her hands back on the table, move the tissue box back to the right, put her hands on it. That was a continued thing that she did. And um, so she used to have the radio on and she didn't attend anything at all and didn't talk to people. They described her as eccentric was the word they, they used. And so I, I thought, okay, all right. So I kind of get where they're coming at with that. Um, not a term I would use, but uh, I went and sat with her and spoke with her and, and she called me Morris. She used to say, oh, hello, Morris. And I, I tried for a week or two to connect with her and it was she was very polite, but she she would say, thank you, Morris, and end it. Thank you for coming. And I'll say, I'll see you next week. She'd go, yes, okay, thank you, Morris, and turn the radio back on. And I said, you know, I couldn't kind of get through. So anyway, I, one day I said to her, um, what, what song? Are you waiting for a song to come on? And she said, no, no, no. And, and I was trying to get to the bottom because I thought there was something in the radio. And so for some reason, I said to her, Carolyn, what's what's the most romantic song that you've ever heard on the radio? And her hands went down on the table and she looked skyward and she started saying, once you have found her, never let it go. Once you have found her, never let it go. Once you found her, let it go. And she, she said that and, and she was really animated. And I said, oh, what's that song? She goes, oh, Some I don't know the name of it. And, yes, <laughs> but I didn't know the name of the song and I didn't know what it was because I didn't put that at the beginning. And I said, who sung it? She said, oh, I can't remember. And, and, and I quickly tried to look it up. She said, Jay, Jay and the Americans. And I went, oh, oh, yes, okay. And I was excited and my partner, the lifestyle partner, was excited. And I said, would you like me to play it? And she was like, no, 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 that's okay. No, no, no. And 
anyway, thank you, Morris. And I left and I was like, oh, she's obsessive compulsive. So she doesn't want me to play it. She wants the original. Oh. I wonder if she's waiting to hear that song or any song, you know, they, they play it on those songs. So I went and looked it up and I found it. And so I put it on my iPod and I thought I'll take it in and I'll play it. And um, I was thinking about how to introduce it. Anyway, um, I said to my mate, okay, we're going to go in and we're not going to talk. I'm going to have it playing. And anyway, just tell him that I'm coming. So we put it on the trolley and I pressed play and it came on and I wheeled it in and I said, once you have found her, never. And Carolyn, just her hands went slowly on the table and she looked upwards and she listened. She didn't sing with it or anything. She listened. And we walked in, we're going, oh, wow, we've done, oh, this is great, fantastic. And we sat down and then she started to sob. Yeah. Uncontrollably sob. And she sobbed. And we were looking at each other like, is this a good thing or is this a bad, oh, my God, what have we done? And I turned it down and she said, turn it up, turn it up. And I said, do you want me to keep, mm. she said, yes, yes, mm. leave it. So I played it. And we just sat there in silence. We didn't say anything. We let her listen to it. And she sobbed like throughout. And then it finished and I turned it off and I just, signaled the other person let, let's not say anything let her lead this and she said can you play it again and we're like sure we put it on and she started sobbing again and i was like oh my god this is this a good thing so anyway we let we sat with it we sat with her we trusted the process and then i stopped it and i sat with her and then she i said are you okay and she said thank you thank you for doing that i love that song i was and she told me she told us a story of a child that was born to her that was taken away oh. immediately after its birth. And that song was the song that was the romance song for the man. And this, this information just blurted out of her. And she was, she was fine when she was talking about it. Like she, it, there didn't seem to be trauma when she was speaking to us, but it was obviously yeah. reflected and, you know, captured in that song. So, so anyway, um, so I asked her if she'd like me to come back and play. She said, yes, please. And then and then, and then, gradually what would happen week after week was she'd give me homework. She said, oh, can you do – she, she'd give me the name of a song or a title or a word or a line and I had to find the song. And then up with about ten songs. And my sessions purely became me walk, wheeling in with the song that she'd asked for. I'd set up a list for her and I'd change the order each week. But then she said she wanted the same order, obviously – with mm. being obsessed that she wanted the same order. So I said it and I would just add the new song first. And I <laughs> used to go home and have to find the song from the title or the words that she'd That's given me. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was really something. And you know what? When I met Dan Cohen, he came to Australia and I, I met him. I told him that story and he was just like, wow, he said you were doing it before. I said, yeah, I, I, I you know, I don't, I don't, I'm pretty sure I didn't know about music and memory then, but I saw the power of that individualized playlist or the, the the importance of songs of meaning to people and the power it can have. And and that that interaction could have gone many different ways. But fortunately we we you know it was right and it was very powerful. And it connected me with her and nobody else was allowed to play that song to her. Mm. It was what that was what she did with Morris. <laughs> yeah, no, I can understand that because that has to be a very safe space. If you're going to share that mm. um, being taken to that emotional space and allowing yourself to go there, mm. you want to be in safe company. You don't I would anyway. And you never know when you do these things what 
can of worms you're opening up and you you don't know if there's some work to do after it of course you know and i want to say that you know while people are listening that you do have to have a strategy in place in case something goes the other way but it turned out to be a very healthy thing and a connecting thing and gave her something to look forward to That's wonderful. which was great and you know it's from it's from you know, it's all from music and connection. And that's the thing I would say. My, my thing, I think about all of this, if I think about my work, is that don't waste that moment of connection with the set and forget. You know, that's the prompt. Use it as a prompt because you, if, you're, if you're lucky and you get it right and there is the capacity to communicate, you'll be able to, to get some, some com- great communication that you normally won't get without that prompt. And if you've got it, it's gold. What I hear you saying is, Murray, don't hijack these gorgeous um, arts-based connection tools. Don't hijack them for um, efficiencies in staff time. Correct. That's so it. You nailed it on the head. <laughs> and, and again, you know, like I think people are seeing why you are going to be the Minister for Ageing <laughs> Choice, Human Rights, and now music I'm adding to your portfolio. You you're going to be busy. Have you got an assistant? Have you got a PA? Um, I've got I've got my mum. <laughs> oh dear, Mori, it's been as usual a, a lovely delight talking to you, and thank you so much for telling that story and for singing that little piece of some enchanted evening. Uh, by the way, that's from South Pacific, and for the delightful chat. And I can't wait to speak with you next week. You take care, my friend. Why? Because we care. We care. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Ruth.